0: Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today, Pastor Priji continues to teach us from the series called Loyalty, from the life of Jacob and his loyalty towards Laban. Stay tuned to learn from his amazing faithfulness, which drew God's favor over his life.
1: This season, we've been studying on loyalty. And so we were talking about loyalty in your relationships. That's the one thing that we focused on last time. Today we're going to take a step further and we're going to understand the importance of loyalty in your work. Loyalty to your work. Loyalty to your assignments. Loyalty to your calling. Loyalty to what God has spoken over your life. Amen? Are you okay with this? So we are going to go through the story of Jacob for this. You know the story of Jacob? Most of us, we've just finished reading the book of Genesis in the the Bible reading plan, yeah? And, uh, you know, Genesis is that one book of the Bible that we've all read over and over again. We quit in Exodus or Leviticus, but we usually finish Genesis, yeah? So we're all familiar with the story of Jacob, but I'm going to still take some time to read through this story uh, this morning and, and we'll try to glean some truths from this. You ready? We'll go all the way from chapter 28 of Genesis to, I think, chapter 31. Chapter 28 verse, f- verse 13, Genesis chapter 28 and verse 13. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord and He said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. The ground that you are lying on, it belongs to you. And I am giving it to you and your descendants. See, God is speaking this word to Jacob when Jacob is not even married. When Jacob doesn't even have descendants, God is telling him, That I'm giving this land that you're lying on to you and to your descendants. So in this uh, story, we see a promise, uh, a commitment that God is making towards Jacob. And we see how God wants to bless him. We see how God wants to give him property. When he says this land that you're lying on, this land whose support you're taking, that is the land that actually belongs to you. And Jacob couldn't have in his wildest dreams thought that this whole land could belong to me. But God is promising this to him. The next verse, it says, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. And they will spread out in all directions to the west, to the east, to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. How? Because of you and your descendants, they will be blessed. Now, God is giving more details about this blessing that is upon Jacob's life. See, Jacob would be later renamed as Israel. He is the forefather of the uh, nation of Israel in the scripture, and even till today, the nation of Israel. He, he is the forefather of this nation. The 12 tribes came out of his loins. They were the 12 sons that he had. The Bible says that these descendants that Jacob will have, they will be numerous. They'll be plenty. This is the family that Jacob had and that Jacob was supposed to have. So, you know, God is giving him a vision. See, You know, all through his life, he has seen small families. His father had just two sons. His grandfather had Ishmael first. And at a very late part, he had Isaac. And later on, probably he had, you know, after Sarah's death, you know, he had a few more children. But he had seen small families, very small families. And and this is at a time when small families were not part of the culture. Back in the day, every family will be huge, will be massive. But his family line was very small. All of them had one or two children. And yet here we see God is saying, I'm going to make your descendants numerous. And they're going to spread all over to the east and the west and north and the south. And all the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you and your descendants. Verse 15 What's more, I am with you, Jacob. I'm going to be going with you and I will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you. Everybody say giving you. Everything that I have promised you. God is saying, my presence is going to be with you till you have received everything that I have promised you. I'm not going to leave you. The presence is assured till the promise is fulfilled. And the very fact that the promise is not fulfilled is the assurance that the presence is still with me. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is saying that till the time the promise doesn't fulfill, my presence will go with you. I will make sure to get you everything that you need. Then Jacob heard all these promises. This is in a dream. When he woke up, he set up a memorial in that place. This place was earlier called Luz and later called Bethel. It says, then Jacob made this vow in verse 20. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar that I have set up will become a place for worshiping God and I will present to God a tenth of everything that God has given me. So he is now making a, a counter commitment to God. When God gave a commitment to him, when God made a promise to him, he didn't say, oh, thank you, Lord, I'll see you whenever it happens. No, he's making a, a commitment in return and he's saying, now I'm going to devote my life to this, to this calling, to this promise that you've given me, to this revelation that you've given me and I'm going to make sure to build a memorial right here where you spoke to me and I'm going to give a one-tenth, a tithe of everything that you give to me. Now, when we have an encounter like this, what is our natural you know uh, thing to do after that to chill and say wow uh, god has given me so many promises I'm, I'm excited to see this come through we'll go tell everybody and say you know what there are these promises over my life there are these blessings that god has uh, declared over my life and and we'll just sit and wait for god to make it come to pass but here is jacob he's not saying okay god has promised and he will fulfill He says, okay, God has promised, but now I am going to put things into place so that God can have the space to bless me. It's very easy for us to come to church week after week and receive promises from God, receive blessings from God and just ask God, where is all your blessings? Where is all the promises that you gave me? And not do anything about it. Through the week, we are waiting for God to fulfill his promises while we are doing nothing about it. And here is a Jacob. He's, he's not going to take it easy. He's not saying, okay, God, you have promised, so I will just wait till the promises come true. He's saying, you have promised this, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be loyal to this calling and I'm going to work hard till this is accomplished in my life. Do you want to read about the accomplishments? Okay, let's start from chapter 29 and verse 9, okay? It says, Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel, she arrived with her father's flock and she was a, what? And she was a shepherd. Jacob was in conversation with the local shepherds. There were shepherds who were in, uh, in, in, in Padanaram where he had reached. He was by the well. See, the well in those days is the social media of today. Yeah. What? What? See, do you know that all these guys they got their spouses at the well, right? Yeah. Where did where did, where did Rebecca? Where did Isaac Isaac's uh, servant get uh, Rebecca? Where did Jacob get Rebecca? Uh, Rachel. Where did Moses get his wife? Most of the, see, you should understand, these guys, you know, what they did at the well was to socialize, was to engage in conversations. And here we are, we are not willing to go to the well, but we are hoping to get married. Yeah, we are not willing to do our work and we are hoping that somebody will come to my house looking for me and, and wake me up. But you see that Jacob, he, he went to the well, and he, because he had, he had heard a story about how Rebekah was brought for Isaac. So he, as soon as he reached the well, I'm sure this is the same well, because it's the same place where Laban was, the same place where Rebekah and Laban was. So the Bible says when Jacob reached that well, he just stayed at the well, he engaged in conversations at the well, long enough for him to meet Rachel. The Bible says, That was the time when Rachel came. She was a shepherd. She came with the flock. Next verse. And because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and the goats belonged to Uncle Laban, Jacob, you know what he did? He went over to the well and he moved the stone from its mouth and watered his uncle's flock. Here is Jacob. He, he's not saying, man, whoever wants to, um, you know, be my friend, let them come to me. No. He, he knows the promise of God on his life. The promise is that he's going to become a, a numerous family. The, there will be numerous descendants in his family. And then the promise is that he's going to have a lot of possessions. So he immediately gets to work. He says, okay, now I am going to start working. I know that nobody has promised anything in return. I mean, Rachel didn't say, okay, if you do this for me, I can make a nice meal for you or eventually this can, hap- this can end up into marriage. No, no promises. There was absolutely no commitments. And yet, here was Jacob. He was willing to put in work. He went and he, the Bible says, he moved the stone and he began to feed his uncle Laban's flock. Jumped to Genesis chapter 29, verse 14 and 15. It says, after Jacob had stayed with Laban for a month, how long did Jacob stay with Laban? For one month, okay? It says, Laban said to him, you shouldn't work for me without pay just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. So, what was he doing over the last one month? Come on, talk to me, guys. Please, please read the scripture. What does it say? For the last one month that he has been in his uncle's house. Now, see, you should understand Jacob is a guest in Laban's house, he doesn't have to work. In fact, they are all so happy to meet a grandson of Abraham, they're excited to meet this guy, they, they want to give him the best food, they want to give him the best bedroom, the best, you know, of everything. And Jacob doesn't have to work in this house. And yet the Bible says for the last one month, Laban is so impressed with Jacob's hard work, he says, hey, wait a minute, I don't want you to do this for free. I want, I want to pay you for the work that you're doing. Because the work that you're doing, it is is so amazing. The work that you're doing, it it is with so much of excellence. So I want to make sure that I don't take this work for granted, but I pay you for this work. So tell me what your wages should be. Verse 18, this is where Jacob comes. It says, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I will work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. So now he's explaining what his reward is going to be in all of this. He's saying, this is what I'm going to work for. I'm going to work for you, meaning I'm going to make money for you, I'm going to bring prosperity into your house. I'm gonna make sure to take care of your flock well, water them well, feed them well, do everything possible so that in return, my wages will be that you will give me your daughter. See, there's a big difference between how Isaac got married and how Jacob got married. When Isaac got married, he had an inheritance from his father. When Eliezer came to ask for Rebekah's hand, do you remember Eliezer came with gold and, and, and so much of wealth that when he said, tomorrow I'm leaving with Rebekah, they couldn't deny, they couldn't stop. They had to give him uh, Rebekah and let go because all of Abraham's wealth was behind Isaac's marriage. But when it came to Jacob, this was a problematic case. There was a lot of issues going on back home. You know the story, so I'm not going to go into detail. So right now, Jacob has nothing to show for the uh, inheritance that will come to him through his father's line. You know, Abraham was a wealthy man. Isaac was a wealthy man. God, God had blessed them so much. But Jacob was starting from the scratch. He didn't have anything at all. So the Bible says, Jacob said, I am going to work here for the next seven years to prove to you that I am honorable enough to take care of your daughter. All the single men in the house, it's okay, you don't have to say anything to me. But I'm telling you something, I'm asking you a question. I know you love Rachel, but my question is, how hard are you willing to work? How how long are you willing to work? How... How much are you willing to work to make sure that you are showing honor to to the person that you want to get committed to? And here is, Jacob is not saying, I know that you have, uh, God has promised to me that I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be a big family. So I'm just going to wait here and, you know, just enjoy the blessings that God is going. No, 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 he was willing to work. Yes, who promised Jacob a big family? Come on, talk to me. God promised this big family for Jacob. And yet, here was Jacob saying, yes, Lord, I'm willing to work for this family. I'm willing to put in efforts. I'm willing to go that extra mile. I'm willing to serve till I see your promises happen in my life. And so he, he said, yes, this is what I'm going to do. So Laban He agreed and he said, I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. And you know the story and uh, the Bible says in the next verse, so Jacob worked for seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love for Rachel was so much that this seven years of hard work, in Jacob's head, it looked, it felt just like a few days, only like a few days, it didn't feel like he had worked for seven long years, there, because there was so much of motivation in his head, because there were things that he knew that he is assigned to he's called to he he knew that this is part of what God has promised and declared over his life. these seven years he he, he was not. You know, going through these seven years by cribbing about it, by crying about it, and by saying, oh, this is such a miserable thing. Why do I have to do all this? There was no complaining. It says that for him, because of the motivation behind it, for him, these seven years looked only like a a few days. Amen? My desire this morning is that the Lord will give you a, a divine motivation for the work that you do. That you will not do work without understanding what you're working towards. You will not work without understanding what you're getting in return. That you will not work without understanding where the Lord is taking you. That when you work, you will know the Rachel that you're going to get in return. See, I'm talking in, in parables because some of you, the Rachel may be a house. For some of you, the Rachel may be a property For some of you, that Rachel may be a calling, an assignment, a ministry that God will give you in the next season of your life. Whatever it be, this is not something that Jacob already had. It was something that Jacob was working towards because he loved Rachel. So let me ask you this this morning. What is that one thing that you have fallen in love with? What is the one thing that you're willing to work seven years for? What is the one thing in your life that drives, that motivates, that keeps you going day after day? And it's not an easy job working for Laban. We will see that in the next few verses. We, we would think that if only I have a nice employer, no? I mean, I'm telling you, I will, I, if, if only this guy was a believer, man, my work would have been so easy. But you should see Jacob's story. This guy was a cheater. The guy he was working for, he used to cheat Jacob and yet the bible says the 7 years of work looked like a few days for Jacob why because he he was deeply totally solidly completely committed to the work that he was doing the bible says then you know that 7 years became 14 years because he married twice in the same family and for the second wife he had to work for another 7 years The Bible says after he finished working for 14 years, you know, there was a conversation between Laban and Jacob. The Bible says, please listen to me, Laban replied, I have become wealthy for the Lord has blessed me because of you. See, I want you to imagine this, okay? This is whose place? Whose land is this? Laban's. Jacob is a foreigner here. Where is Jacob's land? Canaan. Where did, where did God take Abraham to? To Canaan. So Jacob's land is in Canaan. This is the place Jacob has never been to. This is the first 14 years of his sojourning in Padanaram. And the Bible says, in that 14 years of Jacob working in Padanaram, his master who has lived in Padanaram for all through his life, he became wealthy because of a foreigner coming and working for him over there. Wow. Is it possible that, that you will be put into situations that you're not used to? That you will be put into a culture that you're not used to? You will be put into a community or a country that you're not used to and still you will become more successful in in making your employers wealthy, in making your companies more prosperous. Is it possible that the Lord can use you? I'm just telling you from Jacob's story what Jacob did. There was a promise of God. What was the promise of God? I will be with you, Jacob. Wherever you go, I will... Be with you, and I will protect you and I will prosper you. The land that you're lying on, I'm gonna bring you back here, and this land will belong to you. Your descendants will occupy the north, the south, the east, the west. And yet, here is Jacob who was willing to work towards it. And he was not even willing, he's not even working in the land that God promised. It's a it's a foreign land. This is outside of what God had promised, and yet. Here is Jacob who is willing to be loyal to this work. Let's let's read further, okay? So, so finally, Laban says, tell me how much I owe you. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Now, he's, he's worked for Laban for the last 14 years. And now, you know, Jacob knows, okay, I have already gotten what I need to get. The reward was the daughters that I'm going to get married to. And he had already married them. So he he replies, Jacob replies, you know how hard I have worked for you and how your flocks and your herds, they have grown under my care. You had little indeed before I came, but your wealth, it has increased enormously. Everybody say enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything that I've done. But now what about me? When can I start providing for my own family? So in this last 14 years that whatever I was working, it was, it was specifically to make you rich. Laban, I was working for you. And the purpose was to make you wealthy, to make sure that the little that you had became much. Now, you're wealthy over this last 14 years. But now, I know what God has promised me. What God promised me is that I'm going to have a large family, a huge family. A huge family means a lot of, you know, college fees, a lot of school fees, a lot of clothes, a lot of food, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, big house... Big property, which means I need to start providing now for myself. I need to start providing for my family. You should understand. Jacob is not being selfish in wanting to provide for his family. Jacob is obeying and following the call of God over his life. Because what was the call of God over his life? I'm gonna make you a, a numerous family, and through you and your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Jacob understood the key to make sure that God's promises comes true. He's saying, if I can serve this family that God has given me, if I can feed them, if I can give them the best education, if I can give them royalty, then that royalty is now eventually going to trickle down to all the families of the earth. So Jacob is saying, I... I know in the last 14 years I have made you wealthy, Laban. But in the next season of my life, I want to start providing for my own family. But this is where the problem comes. Then Laban asked, what wages do you want? Again, Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing and I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today. And remove all the sheep and the goats that are speckled or spotted along with all the black sheep. Give these to me as my wages. You know what Jacob is saying? Give me all the waste. See, the spotted and the speckled one wouldn't get sold easily. The black ones wouldn't, you know the the term, he's the black sheep of the family. The black sheep wouldn't get sold easily. You know, today it's in style to wear black. This is is not from those days. This is a time when spotted and speckled and streaked ones are considered damaged goods. They are considered useless. They are considered worthless. And so Jacob is saying, give me the ones that you don't want, that will not profit you much. Give me the black ones. They are my wages. That's all that I'm asking, Okay. So that in the future, when you check on the animals that you've given me as wages, you will see that I have been honest. How will you find that I'm honest? If you find in my flock any goats without speckles or spots or any sheep that are not black, then you will know that I have stolen them from you. Because Jacob, what he's saying is, I'm going to do both of this together. I'm going to continue to take care of your flock. And at the same time, I'm going to build my own business parallelly. I'm going to build my own empire because now I have to take care of the family that God has promised for me. But from the beginning, Jacob was clear. On this season, he was very clear. I'm not making wealth for you. I want to make wealth for my family, for my children, for my descendants that God has promised me. But he says, so that there is clear distinction, so that there is honesty in how much your business grows and how much my business grows, let's make sure that you get all the good sheep and I get all the streaked and the speckled and the black ones, okay? So, the next verse, Laban replied saying, all right, it will be as you say. But see, you see, all these last 14 years when Jacob was working for Laban, when the wealth went into Laban's pockets, Laban was okay for him to do that. But in the next season, when Laban realized whatever he is now going to work for, it is not going to come to my pocket. It is going to make Jacob wealthy. A little bit of insecurity began coming into his heart. And this is what he did. It says, that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted, all the female goats, that were speckled and spotted or had any white patches. And all the black sheep, he placed them in the care of his own sons. And you know what they did? These own sons, they took them a three days journey from where Jacob was. And Jacob, he had to stay and care for the rest of Laban's flock. Do you understand what is happening here? Please talk to me. Are you understanding what is happening here? Laban is saying yes to Jacob. When Jacob said, okay, give me the waist, all the black, all the streaked, all the spotted, all the striped. You know what Laban says? Yes, I will give it to you. And behind Jacob's back, he goes and takes all of them off and puts them in the care of his sons. Now, all the sheep that is in Jacob's care, it is still the the good ones, the, the healthy ones. The white ones, the clear ones, the spotless, the speckless, you know, the, the perfect ones, yeah? Now, when they reproduce, they will give birth to the same colors, yeah? Now, what, what Laban is doing is making sure that Jacob will never become wealthy. But see, this is something about Jacob. He was a hard worker. He was willing to work. He was he was not somebody who will get discouraged because his boss cheated him. He was saying, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be uh, committed and I'm going to work till the calling on my life, till the assignment on my life, till the promises of God on my life, all the prophecies that I've received, till I see them come to pass, I'm willing to work towards it. See, it's very easy for me to say, you don't have to do anything, God will make everything come to pass. You just have to chill and relax and go to party and come out and sleep as long as you want and do whatever it takes and, and God will take care of you. But, but here is Jacob saying, no, I know what God has said, but I'm willing to put hard work towards bringing it to pass. I'm willing to do something about it. I'm, I'm willing to go out and work. I'm willing to go out and, and, and invest. I'm willing to go out and, and risk everything that I have so that the promises of God for my life will be fulfilled even through my hard work. So Jacob was saying, I'm going to be loyal to my work. I'm going to be committed to my work. I'm going to be faithful to my work. So this is what the Bible says. Are you ready for this? This is where the magic begins, okay? In Genesis chapter 30 and verse 37, it says, Jacob, he took some fresh branches from poplar almond and the plain trees and peeled off the stripes for bark making white streaks on them where is he doing this on branches of wood not on the sheep he's doing this in the branches of wood he's making all the stripes and the spots and the patches that the sheep should have he's doing it on the branches Okay, we will understand how he got this idea. It was in a, in a dream. Later on, Jacob would explain that to Rachel and Leah, saying, in a dream, an angel of God came and showed me how to do this. So here is Jacob who is committed to, uh, you know, making wealth. Here is Jacob who is committed to make sure that his family is fed. Here is Jacob who is committed to a life of prosperity. And now what does God do? God comes and gives him an idea in a dream. Instead of, because this guy was not willing to give up. This guy was still willing to work. This guy was still willing to, you know, put in time and effort. So God gives him an idea by which things will begin to change. The next verse, it says, Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, for that is where they mated. The Bible says that, All these flocks of goat and sheep, they will come to drink from this particular bed of water. And that is where Jacob placed these branches. These branches, they had on the outside. Nobody will say that, okay, just because you place these branches in this water, now this color will catch on these sheep. Come on now. Any logical, intelligent, educated person will say, man, what stupidity is this? What illogical thing are you doing? See, Jacob was not looking for shortcuts. He had already worked. He was still willing to work. And yet, because now he was serving a master who was not willing to pay him, God came on his side and God is giving him uh, an idea. God is giving him solutions to make wealth in spite of the restrictions that are placed over his life. So this morning, I, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but the Lord is giving you divine ideas Divine understanding, divine wisdom to be fruitful in making wealth. The ability to make wealth, it is coming upon you. The ability, the grace to make wealth, it is coming upon you. But God is looking not for lazy people. The Lord is looking for loyal people. God is looking for people that are willing to work hard, work day in and day out to make sure that the sheep will multiply. The Bible says that, and when they mated in front of the white streak branches, what did they give birth to? They gave birth to the young that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. You should understand, there is no streak and speckle or spots in the DNA of the parents. It is not part of their culture. They never behave like this. They never talk like this. But when the result came... When the product came, when the final outcome came, the Bible says that the babies, the new flock that came, it had streaks, spots, and speckles. It had something that, that Jacob had envisioned. It had something that Jacob had desired. Why? Because Jacob was a man who was committed, who was loyal to the work that was assigned to him. Let's read on. The Bible says, so Jacob, what he did is he separated those lambs from Laban's flock and at mating time, this time he did something else. He turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were streaked or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. In The second trick that he did is this. Okay, It says the second time, what he did is during the mating season, he turned the, the, the direction of the sheep at the flock towards the direction of, the, of all the streaked ones and the spotted and the speckled that was in Laban's care. You know, it's no longer in his care. It is in Laban's care. His children, his sons are taking care of it. It says he turned it towards them and he said, okay, now enjoy. And then it says, and when they did reproduce... They gave birth to uh, the street and the black animals, and and this is how now Jacob, he's not now he is very clear about it. He's saying, last 14 years I built your flock, but the next season of my life it's about six years, six more years that Jacob served in the same house. He's saying, the next six years I'm not here to make you wealthy, Laban. The next six years I'm here to build my own kingdom. The next six years I'm here to provide for my own family. And whenever Laban came in the way of doing this, God would divinely enable Jacob to still find a way and make wealth in spite of Laban's cheating him. Amen? Uh, It says in the next verse, verse 41, Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches in the watering troughs in front of them, then they would mate in front of the branches. But he didn't do this with the weaker ones. The weaker lambs so consequently belonged to Laban. And the stronger ones, they became part of Jacob's uh, flock, his, his wealth. What happened as a result? Let's read this, okay? Let's read this together loudly. Are you ready? For six long years, Jacob kept doing this. What was the result? One, two, three, go. As a result... Jacob became very, come on, somebody say very. very. So Jacob became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats and female and male servants and many camels and, and, and many donkeys, it's years of hard labor. Now if you read about the wealth that Jacob had, this is the wealth that he was willing to lavish upon Esau when he met Esau. This is the wealth that he was willing to lavishly use to sacrifice, build altars, give one-tenth to God, uh, build a whole altar at Bethel. This was the wealth that he used to do all of that. But where did he get this? He got this in an oppressive environment. He got this in an environment where his, his boss didn't want him to flourish. He got it in an environment where he didn't have favor. See, anybody can flourish in favor. Anybody can flourish when, the, when your boss is on your side. But talk about an environment where the boss is not on my side or where I don't have a boss. We'll talk about that as well in the later part of today's teaching. How can I, how can I still be productive? How can I still prosper in an environment where, where I don't have the right motivation? where he is not saying, okay, you you make so much business for me and I'm going to give you 10% of the profit. Instead, out of the 10% of the profit, he's he's not even telling you how much profit he's getting. He's not giving you the profit. He's not giving you the price that he promised to give you. But you stay faithful to your work, not to Laban. You stay faithful to your work and you stay faithful to the assignment, to the call of God over your life. And you keep doing it over and over and over again till you finally reach a place where the Bible says that you have, that you become very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, which means lord of stocks and investments. You know, I'm talking in their language. And it means that there were, there were so many male and female servants, which, which means you had a company of so many people working under you, or both male and female, okay? And then it says that you you had camels and donkeys, you know, camels and donkeys, which means luxury cars and ordinary cars, both. Come on, talk to me this morning. Both categories, these, you know, donkeys, they are like ordinary cars, you know, they're what you used to go from point A to point B. But But camels are the luxury cars that that, that you take out when you want to show off how wealthy you are. When you, when you want to show off that, hey, 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 I am very wealthy. And the Bible says Jacob had both. How did he have both? See, Laban has been living in the same place. His sheep had access to the same flock. You know, the, sorry, his flock had access to the same grass, the same water, everything is the same. It's not like Jacob is like, I know in Canaan the, the, the food there is better, or you know, let me take you to a secret. There's absolutely nothing. And yet, in the 14 years that he served Laban, the Bible says, his, his, because of his commitment to his calling, the wealth of Laban became enormous. The next six years, when he said, Okay, now I'm going to take care of my own family, now I'm going to build my own wealth, the Bible says, Jacob himself. The same way that Laban became a wealthy man, Jacob himself became a wealthy man. Jacob himself had large flocks of sheep and goats, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father and and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. So you know what he did? He called Rachel and Leah. It says in... Chapter 31 and verse 4, he called them to the field where he was watching his flock. Then he said to them, this is what I have noticed. That your father's attitude, it has changed towards me. He doesn't talk to me in the same way. He doesn't feel the same anymore. But the God of my father, he has still been with me. Can this be your revelation in this season? Yes, my boss's attitude has changed. But the God of my father, the God of my pastor, the God of my church, the God of Abraham, he has still been with me. Yes, I don't have favor with Laban, but God is still on my side. He says, verse 6, let's hear Jacob's testimony. The reason I'm reading this out is so you can embrace this. And you can say, I'm willing to do the same thing for my Rachel. Yeah, I'm willing to do the same thing for the call for the promises of God over my life. He says, you know how hard I have worked for your father. But he has cheated me, changing my wages 10 times. But in spite of all of that, God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For if he said, the speckled animals will be your wages... The whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind and said, Hey, the striped animals will be your wages. The whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and he has given them to me. And then he's explaining the, the, the place where he got his inspiration. Okay, read it further. One time during the mating season, I had a dream and i saw that the male goats that were mating with the females were streaked speckled and spotted not in the natural in the natural all you remember the story all the streaked and the spotted and the speckled ones were taken away and placed under the care of laban's sons but now god is giving him a revelation in a dream and god is telling him about things that is happening in the spirit realm See, in the worst problems of your life, you need to look at it from the eyes of the spirit. When your salary is not coming, you have to look at it from the eyes of your spirit. When your boss is on against you, you have to see it from the eyes of the spirit. See, in the natural, all that you want to do is remove your shoe and throw it at Laban, right? That's what you want to do, but Jacob never did it. In spite of Laban changing his, uh, you know, wages 10 times over. Jacob didn't say, man, this is it. I'm walking away from this. Jacob said, I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful to my work and I'm going to stay put and I'm going to make sure that I work for the call of God over my life. And it says that in the dream, he saw this. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied saying, here I am. The angel said, look up and you will see that only the strict the speckled and the spotted males are mating with the females of your flock for I have seen how Laban has treated you see some of you you need to begin to celebrate injustice being done towards you yeah sometimes God has to allow injustice to be done towards you so he can bless you Sometimes God has to allow somebody to mistreat you so he can treat you better and vindicate you in front of them. So, so in this season, instead of complaining and, and saying, God, take all my problems away, just start beginning to thank God for the problems. Because some problems by some labans in your life will set you up for greater blessings. It will set you up for greater prosperity. It will set you up for greater victories. It will set you up for greater possessions. In the spiritual and even in the natural. That's how it works. It says in the book of Exodus, the more Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they oppressed Israel, the more they grew, the more they multiplied, the more prosperous they became, the more wealthy they became. And here is, the, here is Jacob's testimony. For, for the angel is saying, for I have seen how Laban has treated you. Amen? Then he goes on to explain. Where, where is the connection from? I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. So God is reminding him, connecting him back to the vow that he made. Not to the promise that God made to him. God is reminding him, see, because you wanted to give me one-tenth of everything, because you wanted to serve me, because you said, this God will be my God. I'm reminding you of that vow. Because of that vow is why I blessed you so much in this last 20 years of your life. Not just that I blessed you, but even the Laban who worked... Uh, you know, to employ you. Even I blessed him because of you. Amen. Now it's time for the next season of your life. You need to get up and go back to your home country. But you know who is the villain in the story? Laban is the villain in the story. And Laban comes chasing after Jacob because Rachel had stolen some idols that belongs to Laban. That's a different topic altogether. We will not touch that today. But listen to Jacob's testimony one more time. Are you ready for this? It it says in Genesis chapter 31 and verse 38. For 20 years, how many years? 20 years, years, I have been with you. And what was I doing in these 20 years? Sitting and relaxing, eating all the fruit and and the land and the good meat that your mother made. No, no, no. I have been caring for your flocks. In all that time, your sheep and your goats, they never, somebody said never. Never. They never miscarried. And in all those years, this is what I did. Okay, what did God do? God made sure to uh, let there be no miscarriage in the camp. But this is what I did. I never used a single ram of yours for my food. Did you see his honesty? Did you see he's saying, 20 years I worked for you. 20 years, Laban. Yes, last six years, I made my own empire. That is after your permission. Because you said all right. Because you said it's okay. I made my own business. But all through this 20 years, not, not a single ram of yours have I taken and made it my meal. Never. Instead, if any animals, if they were attacked or killed by wild animals, you know what I did? I never showed you the cash, or asked you to reduce the count of your flock. Instead, I took the loss for myself. Check this out. This is Jacob's testimony. This is how he was faithful to his work. This is how he was loyal to his work. Now, please understand, nobody was supervising over Jacob. Nobody was following Jacob to see count and make sure that in, in fact, it was Jacob's idea when saying that, okay, let all the spotted and the speckled ones be mine so you can come back and check and make sure that I didn't take any of yours. And he's saying, this is my testimony, that in 20 years, I have never had a meal with any of your flock, any of your rams. Not only not really that, whenever there has been an incident of, of, of wild animals attacking, it says that the loss went from my pocket, not from your pocket. Can you imagine working for a boss like that? Where, let's say that there is, there is a loss in your office. You know, you have to pay from your pocket, then the boss being willing to take care of it and saying, okay, accidents happen, mistakes happen. This guy, he had to pay for every mistake from his own pocket. Not because Laban wanted him to, but out of his own integrity, he never even brought the carcass to Laban. Instead, he just said, okay, I'll adjust it here itself. I'll take one of my flock and add it to Laban's. And he says, you made me pay for every stolen animal, whether it was taken in broad daylight or in the dark of night. I everything. I have paid for it to the end. He's giving an account, okay? He didn't want to, but because Laban came chasing after him, now he's giving an account for the hard work that he did. The next line. Ready? All the brothers and sisters, read it together, okay? I worked for you, when? Through the scorching heat of the day and through cold and sleepless nights. I worked for you, Laban. This is my testimony. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day and through the cold and the sleepless nights. Man, I I pray that some of us can testify this. About our work. I know that work doesn't sound like a very very spiritual topic to preach on on a Sunday morning. But God is calling us to a season of loyalty. God is calling us to prosperity. God is calling us to increase. But the path to that prosperity is loyalty to our work. The path to becoming wealthy like Jacob was. Is being loyal, being committed to our work. And here we are, we are you know, half-heartedly doing something and not willing to put our complete effort, uh, you know, and we are wasting our time in doing useless activities. And and then we are expecting God to bless us. But here is Jacob's testimony. In the scorching heat of the day, when I didn't have an air-conditioned office, and when I didn't have a heater in my office, in the night, in the middle of the night, when there was cold and sleepless nights, I still continued to work for you, Laban. For 20 years, this is his testimony, okay? Yes, for 20 years, I slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years, earning your two daughters, and the next six more years for your flock. And in, in in these 20 years, what did you do? You changed my wages. How many times? You changed my wages 10 times. So he's saying, man, God has seen how you mistreated me and it is God who blessed me so far. It is God who gave me the ability to make wealth in spite of all that you did. In spite of all the uh, harsh ways in which you treated me. But this morning we are are declaring that all of these job profiles will become a spiritual calling. That this will become a spiritual worship. that, That we will do this not for Not just because we don't have anything else to do, but this will become spiritual in nature. See, the first person in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit was not somebody who had to preach the gospel. It was not somebody who had to heal the sick. You know, why do we need to be filled in the Holy Spirit? You know, the right words need to come out of my mouth. No, no, no. The first person in the Bible to be filled in the Spirit, let's read about it, okay? This is Exodus chapter 35 verse 31. You ready? Read it. One, two, three, go. The Lord has filled. Everybody say filled. Bezalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Whatever crafts we called out just now. yeah. God is saying, I filled. See, in the Old Testament days, filling of the Holy Spirit was not for everybody. Some prophets and some teachers and some, uh, you know, kings, the Holy Spirit will come upon them. Not fill them, just come upon them for a particular assignment. Once the assignment is done, the Spirit of God will leave. But there was this one man, the first person that the Holy Spirit filled him from the top to bottom. Do you know what that was for? It was not for spiritual reasons. It was for crafts, for creativity, for innovation. For him to be able to see the spotted and the streaked and the, and the, and the specked ones even when there was nothing. For him to go and cut off the branches and, and, and in the midst of all the injustice and lack of favor that his boss was doing to him, here was a man who had the eyes of the spirit, who was, uh, who was filled in the spirit, who could make something good come out of this. It says, this is what Bezalel had. He had wisdom. Somebody say, I receive wisdom this morning. Yeah, I, I receive ability. Come on. And I receive the expertise. Yeah, you, you will not just be an ordinary IT analyst. You will not be just one of the teachers. No, you will not just be one of the HRs. No, you will be an expert in your field in Jesus' mighty name. When people look at you, they have to say, this man, he is not the same. There are so many pastors in my city, but he is not the same. He is an expert. He has expertise. See, the same way, you know, this morning when I have to bring this word to you. I spent hours preparing and praying and, 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 and waiting upon the Lord. My, my prayer is that when you go to work, you will go with the same thing. Why? Because what my, my calling is to be a pastor. My assignment, my work is to be a pastor. And this is the effort, the work I will put in to become, to, be, to do a good job at becoming a pastor to you. Can you do the same thing with your assignments? Can you, when you, when you, before you log into work, can you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh? Not so you can prophesy, not so you can heal the sick, but so you have the wisdom, the ability, and the expertise in all kinds of crafts. All kinds of crafts. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit cannot teach you. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit cannot give you ability or, or wisdom or understanding for nothing. Nothing that is outside. You know, God is not just here running a school for pastors and prophets. No. God is raising skilled businessmen. Ah, God is raising creative software developers. Oh, God is raising therapists, counselors. You know, those academicians, those that will change the face of our nation. God is birthing them from where? From the church. You and I, when we are loyal, when we are willing to be faithful to the call of God over our lives, you know, we, we pray. We know God has told us that He will use us for revival. But not every revival comes with preaching. Certain revival comes when you, when you, when you develop a nice software. Yeah, certain revival comes when, when, you, when you're faithful in your calling as a good chef. Certain revival comes because you, you, you take your, your, your profession as a teacher as your calling. And you say, I'm not doing this as a, as a means to get money. I'm doing this as a, as a means to bring forth the call of God over my life. I'm doing this because I know the promises of God over my life. Jacob, he, he didn't do this because he needed wealth. Because all he needed to do was go back to his father's house and there is a lot of wealth waiting for him. But because God had promised that I'm going to be with you, Jacob said, I need to work, man. I cannot just sit and relax and just hope that everything will be all right in the right time. No, I'm going to work in the, in the scorching heat of the day and in the sleepless, cold nights, I'm going to work. When I'm cheated, when I'm mistreated, I'm still going to work. When, when things are in my favor, when things are against me, I am still going to work. When I have supervisors that are after me to get the sale done, I'm going to work. When I don't have supervisors, when I don't have bosses over my life, or when I don't have anybody checking upon me, I'm still going to do the work. I want to teach you something from Proverbs. Are you ready for this? Okay, this is Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. Are you ready to call each other some names? Okay. This is this is where you get to take out all your frustration, okay? look at your neighbor and say, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. This is scripture. This is scripture. You're, you're just confessing scripture, okay? If they, they get upset with you, just say, it's in the Bible, brother. I, what can I do? I'm so sorry. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways so that you can become Somebody say, I want to become wise this season yeah he says verse seven, though they have no prince, though they have no governor, though they have no ruler, it meaning they don't have a supervisor calling to check how much how much how much sale has happened today? how did you spend morning to noon you know did you did you did you read your bible did you have you you know you know, talk to some souls or have you been discipling anybody? Nobody is checking on them. Okay? They have no governor. They have no ruler. They have no prince over them. No boss over them. No. And still, it says there's nobody to make them work. For, for Jacob, they, he had a Laban over him. Who, had, who would make him work. Who the Bible says when something was stolen, he would make him pay from his own flocks. Okay, but here is the ants. They have no ruler, no governor, no prince to make them work. And yet, read about them, the next verse. It says, yet they labor hard all summer. What do they do? They are gathering food for the winter. Oh my God. Do you know, I don't know, what is the lifespan of an ant? What is the lifespan of an ant? What is the guarantee that this ant that is working so hard to gather food in summer will be alive in the winter. Come on, talk to me this morning. What is the lifespan of an ant? Like if a, one to three years, the queens live up to 30 years. But do you know, in this hard labor, when they are like really working hard, going from one room to the other, they're gathering food, they have no guarantee that they'll come back alive they have no guarantee that you know that some that these guys are actually going to eat the food that they are storing up and they're, they're sto- they they are it's not like they have a they have calculation you know that okay this is how much food we need or this has been our experience in the last winter nothing like that i mean human beings we are reasonable people right we know okay this is what happened during the last lockdown so, before the government announces another lockdown, let's go and buy as many Maggie noodles, as many tissue papers, uh, everything that I need in this season. Let me just, you know, go and get it all home. But here is a group of people, they, they don't have the intelligence enough to understand these things, and yet they are hard workers. Yet they work hard day and night, all through the summer, because they know in winter we will not be able to get out of the house. There is coming a season when my labor will not be useful. My labor will not be possible. But right now, when I can do hard work, I'm going to do hard work from morning to night. Right now, when I'm able to give, I'm going to give day and night. Right now, when it is my time to earn, I'm going to earn. See, there is going to come a time when my children will take care of me. When I don't have to work, you know. The Bible says in the New Testament, Paul said, those who doesn't work should not eat, right? But there is going to come a time where I don't have to work for me to eat. Where I have worked so long, so much that my children will now bring me food to eat. Where they will begin to work and they will feed me. But right now when I can still work, I'm going to work. Not because there is a governor looking over me. Not because there is a ruler watching. There is not because of a boss or a supervisor, no. No but because I consider this to be my calling. I have become wise. The next verse, but you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? I'm not talking about just physical sleep. Physical sleep up to seven to eight hours is is necessary. It's it's required for your body. But I'm not talking about physical sleep alone. I'm talking about how long will you be inactive? How long will you procrastinate? How long will you keep pushing your assignment to somebody else and to the next season and for tomorrow and, and keep saying, "Oh, I I know God has promised me this, but you know I don't know what to do about it." You know, come on, do you just look around? You know, is there any Rachels who is struggling to move the rock on the head of the well? Go and help them before you get your own property before you get your own business go into somebody else's business and help them free of cost yeah the first season of jacob's ministry his work he worked free of cost the first one month after that is when laban said let me let me pay you for it so till the time that you you're not paid for it do it free of cost don't take any 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 salary don't take anything just go and work but Don't allow laziness to be your culture. This is a season where we have to become loyal to the work, to the assignments over our life. Verse 10, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like the armed robber. This is not going to be the story of anybody in this church. Because this is going to be a hard working church. This is a church that knows how to work in the mornings and in the nights. This is a church that knows how to work hard all through summer. So that in the winter we will receive and experience the harvest. Amen. Another verse. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. Lazy people are soon poor. But this is what hard, hard workers get. Hard workers get rich. Any hard workers in the house? Any hard working IT analysts? Any hard working software developers? Hard working chefs? Hard working teachers? Hard working HRs? This is what the Lord is saying. You are going to get rich. In Jesus' name. See, your, your profession doesn't have to be one that, you know, everybody is like saying, wow. Oh, he is, he is in the top management of his company. No, it doesn't have to be that. Are you willing to do something as bad as, you know, feeding the sheep, just, oh, just pushing the wells, doors? Are you willing to do that? The Lord is saying, Hard workers will become rich in Jesus' name. Hard workers <laughs> will become rich. The next verse, verse 24. Chapter 12, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. It says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. So there are two options that you have. You can be lazy and you can be on a salary for the rest of your life. On On the other hand, you can begin to work hard so much that your boss says, now you can have a stock in the company, guys. Now, now you don't have to be just, you know, a slave to me. Now, why don't you take my spotted and the speckled ones and now you build your own business. Now, you go and make some money for your own self, man. You know, I, it says hard workers, they, they don't remain slave forever. See, Jacob did, did slave for 20 years, but he didn't remain slave forever. He continued to work so hard that ultimately that hard work made him a leader now. That hard work gave him dominion. That hard work gave him authority. That hard work gave him that influence over his field. So like I said earlier, you're not just not going to be an ordinary person in your company. You're going to be an expert. You, you will have expertise. You, when they need a man of God... <laughs> to fix the economic crisis in Bangalore, they will look to you. Oh, when they need a man of God to, to fix the problems in their company, they will come to you. When there is a lot of people losing jobs and, and, and giving up on their you know companies, they will come to you and say, hey, can you teach me business organization? Can you come and just consult in my office and just... And just give me some wisdom, some ability that you have from God. The the Spirit of God who has filled you with wisdom, ability and expertise. Can you give that here to my company? You will become a leader in Jesus' mighty name. So the first blessing is that you will become rich. The second blessing is that you will become a leader. Are you ready for the third one? This is powerful, okay? Read it. Okay, it says... Proverbs 22, verse 29. Do you see any truly competent workers, meaning those that have good wisdom, ability, expertise? It says, they will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Wow. I hope that you will catch this revelation on your own. I don't want to tell you what this kings would mean. I don't want to tell you where kings are present. You know, kings are not in the world. You know that we are the kings and the priests. The ultimate blessing is that you will serve kings, not ordinary people. Yes, God wants to give you riches. Yes, God wants to make you an expert, a leader in your field. But even more, yes, God wants you to serve kings and not ordinary people. You know, I, I really appreciate the, the, the school that my wife works for. The school, the, their calling is, to, is not to make money. Their calling is to really, you know, raise a generation of God-fearing people. And, and I, I think that that's, that's, that's awesome. That if you can end up working for a company, end up working for a system, end up working for a ministry or an organization that activate divine kingdom principles. There are kings and priests. There are kings and lords here on the earth. It is not meant for ordinary people. See, let me, let me tell you this. If you failed in your corporate, don't come and say, I will work for the church. Somebody said, ouch. And let that sink in. What does it say? Competent workers. The church doesn't want ordinary workers. The church needs competent workers. The church wants the cream, the best of everything. Please don't give the waste, the leftovers, what, what, what your boss doesn't want, what your corporate doesn't want. Don't bring it to church. No, no, no. When you come and give, when you want to serve the king, when you want to serve the kings, you have to bring the best. The, this is the ultimate blessing that I can give you this morning. The first thing is that you will, of course, become rich. When you're a hard worker, you will become rich. The second is that you will become an expert and a leader in your field. And the third is that you will become a servant to kings and not to ordinary people alone. That your, your company will have a kingdom principle. Your company will be working, your organization, your business... Wherever the Lord will allow you to serve, whatever you will birth, it will be a kingdom organization that brings the kingdom of God here on the earth. Somebody said an amen. Amen. Wow, let let me read a few more verses before I finish. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4. I want you to read all these verses together. Okay, one, two, three, go. Pay careful attention to your, not your neighbor's work, but to your own work, For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Amen? Amen. Self-explanatory. What does it say? You need to pay attention to, to your own work. So every day, make sure, even if your boss doesn't check, you go and check your work and say, how well did I do this work? Even if there is no review on your work, you review your own business, your own work, how much profit you brought into the company. You review it, pay attention to your own work so that you will have some job satisfaction. Job satisfaction is a biblical principle. What does it say? So that that you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. This is the promise. God is saying when you pay attention to your work, you will get job satisfaction. The next verse, verse uh, 7 of Ephesians chapter 6. Ready? 1, 2, 3, go. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Wow. If you'll go back and say, man, I have a Laban over me. I have a Pharaoh over me. But, but I'm going to work like I work for Jesus. I'm going to wash this guy's feet like I'm washing Jesus' feet. I'm going to build this app, build this website the way that I'm doing this directly for Jesus. Yeah, that's how I'm going to do this. And when I do this long enough, I know that someday I will. my competence will make me work for kings. But right now, I have to prove my competence in working for Laban. And ultimately, that will give me... My loyalty here will give me promotion to work over there. Jesus said it like this. I know it's in the context of ministry, but I'm also going to apply it in terms of everyday work. Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great, meaning the wealth is great. The returns are awesome. You know, I I read to you, you'll become rich, you will... Become a leader, you will become an expert, you will serve kings. The returns are big. The harvest is great, but hard workers, a few. Laborers are very few. Everybody wants a governor, a supervisor to boss over them. But today the Lord is saying, "Will you do a good job with what I have already entrusted into your hands, with the little that I have given you? Will you pay close attention to it? Will you work with enthusiasm? Will you work day and night? Will you be loyal to your work? It is not enough that you become loyal to your relationships. Your loyalty to relationships has to e- eventually become, make you loyal to your work. Make you loyal. You know that Ruth, she did not say, okay, I'll, I'll be loyal to you. I'll just stick to you. I will just stay at your feet, you know, pressing your feet. No. She said, okay, now in chapter 2, I think, of Ruth chapter 2, she got up. She went out to do what? To work. To bring food for her her mother-in-law. So your loyalty in relationships has to eventually transpire into your loyalty to work. And Jesus said, hey, it's in Matthew chapter 25 and 21. It says the master, he was full of praise. Why? Because these guys they worship 24 hours? No. What did they do? It says, "Well done. My good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now, <laughs> so now, I will give you many more responsibilities. Come, let's celebrate together. What is Jesus saying? The little that I gave you, the little that I gave you, what you had was not a lot. The little that I gave you, you were faithful. You took care of the little very well. You did everything possible to give you a 100% in the little. And because you did that, I am going to give you even more. The, the, there, is, there are more responsibilities that I want to entrust you with. There are more responsi- more churches that I want to give to you. More organizations, more investments that I want to give to you. More businesses that I want to give to you. More restaurants that I want to give you. More opportunities that I want to give you. More, more, more clients. More business partners. More investments that I want to give to you. But can you prove your faithfulness with the little things that has already been given to you? Can you show me you are faithful here? Can you show me that you are loyal here? But it is the faithfulness in the little things. It's the faithfulness in things when you don't have appreciation. In the things when you don't have outcome, when you don't have results that qualifies you to be blessed more. So please don't tell me that my, my, my hard work is not bringing out results. Have you been working for 20 years? Have you done the same thing? I mean, come on, taking care of the sheep. That's, not, that's, that's, that's a mundane, routine job. The same thing over and over again. Parents, mothers, single mothers, mothers that are taking care of full-time house mothers. I mean, it's a repetitive job. It's something that can task your head. You know, get into your system. Same thing again and again and again. But you keep doing it day in and day out. You keep being faithful. You keep, be- because you know this is my work. This is, this is what God has assigned to me. This is where God has promised me certain things. I'm going to be loyal to this. I'm going to stay loyal till I see the promises of God come through. And one day the Lord will say, well done. It says the master was full of praise. For what? For the, for the amount of singing that this guy did? For the amount of worship he did? No, for the amount of work that he did. He said, well done, good and faithful servant." because Jesus is not just coming for his bride he's also coming to evaluate his servants because if you read that story it says there was one guy who did not multiply what happened to this guy do you know the story he took over took away whatever he had and what else sorry and gave it to somebody who had more what else what happened after that threw him into where Into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Means this guy lost his salvation because he was unfaithful, not loyal to his work. Ouch. Pastor, you are saying that my, my work at being the IT analyst has an implication on my salvation? Yes. It's a spiritual calling. You have to be loyal. You have to be faithful. You have to multiply the little that God has given you. Don't wait for God to all of a sudden open up heavens over you and you become the CEO of the company. No. The little that God has given you. What, is the, what are you doing with the little that God has given you? So this week, can, we, can, I, can I get some text messages in the middle of the night of people that are saying, Ah, Pastor, I've been working 18 hours today I, because I'm, I'm committed to what I'm doing. I want to see my company flourish. Yeah, they don't, they don't celebrate me, but I want to see this company become wealthy. As long as I'm working for this company, I want Laban to come back and say, you made me wealthy. Uh, That has to be my testimony. This week, we have to commit ourselves to loyalty like that. Commit ourselves to loyalty. Because when I do this, when I'm working hard, riches will come looking for me. Leadership will come looking for me. Positions to serve kings will come looking for me. You know, Today, I have the honor of serving a king. I'm not talking about Jesus, I'm talking about my spiritual father. He is a king. I have the blessing of serving him. You know, I have the blessing where he, he actually touched me. I have the blessing of doing this. But it didn't begin there. It began at a point when I didn't have a governor, didn't have a ruler, didn't have a prince watching me. And I still had to do it. And I still had to be faithful. So this morning I'm releasing that loyalty in this place. Father, every person that is that is praying this prayer with me, I pray, let this loyalty take over their hearts.
0: Thank you for tuning into today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at DreamingRevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11 at youtube.com slash God bless you. And have a blessed week.